0: So, all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Defense Podcast, episode 14. Appreciate everybody coming back and listening and indulging me in this time. Appreciate everybody's support. As always, we go live every uh, Tuesday, 10 a.m. with our podcast on uh, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Google Podcasts, and a few other outlets, uh, Anchor. Uh, so, check us out. There's any platform that you'd like to get your podcast from. We appreciate your support and your listening. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of things today, a lot of topics going on today, a lot of news out there, a lot of news. Uh, we're going to talk about the NBA. The restart is official. Uh, we're going to talk about the start date, and uh, we're going to talk about the uh, schedule that they're going to uh, put out uh, as far as free agency and a draft and things of that nature. We're going to talk about that. Some trades happening already. Um, blockbuster in certain regards, and with some more of the rumor trades that may happen in the next week or two, um, a lot of teams breaking up, a lot of teams adding pieces, so we're going to talk about that as well. Um, we'll talk about the quick turnaround, how, how we feel about that and how, how the execs are weighing in, and uh, then we'll get into NFL news. Uh, we got a few things to talk about there. we got a big injury that happened this week that may change the landscape of uh, NFC as well, um, their playoff chances and the seeding and things of that nature. Uh, I'll talk about Tom Brady and the, the Bucks. Uh, Tua versus Herbert this week—a a preview of the number five and, and six picks. Um, you know, could be some you know lasting rivalry going down the line. So uh, we'll talk about how that uh, matchup shook out. Of course, we'll talk about COVID in 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 the NFL. Uh, you got more teams with more cases this week, and uh, almost up to about twenty teams that are affected by this now. So it's getting wild um we got a new segment coming up this week called what's wrong uh we got to talk about a few NFL teams that are sputtering uh they started off hot and they really seem like they're going to be contenders and uh now it's been you know halfway to you know a little over halfway mark of the season you know they definitely sputtering and definitely having issues and we're going to talk about how they're going to fare down the line uh do team team to watch out for and it's going to be an interesting one this week a team I never thought I would put on this segment we do for the record. I got a couple of topics I want to talk about there. Um, Isaiah Thomas was on a podcast with Shannon Sharp this week uh, past, and uh, he brought up some interesting points about how the media uh, portrayed them um, as bad boys and and negative, and gave them a lot of negative press and things of that nature. Um, so we talk about a lot of things he did for uh, the landscape of the NBA that's prevalent now, and I uh, we'll also talk about labeling as a whole. We'll talk about how the NFL and NBA were, you know. Giving certain labels about uh who these people were and it really wasn't true in certain regards but they wanted to paint a person paint a certain picture about people and we're going to talk about how the, how right and wrong that is and how that's changed um we also going to talk about this new uh rule that they put into the nfl uh when they talked about uh giving draft picks so comp- compensatory draft picks to teams that hire minority coaches and how we feel about that then we'll get into Chargers' Corner. We'll review the a Dolphins game and how how that went how that went down. And we'll preview what Justin Herbert was looking like as far as being Rookie of the Year. And then we'll talk about the Jets game coming up. We'll talk about that as well. And then we'll get into the four-quarter closeout. We'll talk about uh, Breakout Players of the Week, Lockdown Defender Week, and Big Dummy Week. So stay tuned for that. So let's get into who's in the news, man. Let's get it. So let's talk who's in the news. We're going to talk with the NBA first. We're going to get into the restart details and how things are shaking out there. Uh, So it looks like the NBA has definitely ratified the uh, 22 of December to be the start date of the new season. Uh, I got questions, man, about that. I definitely think this rushed. Um, You know, it's almost like COVID has got everybody bugging. You know, everybody's not in their right mind. Although the NBA has been doing a great bang-up job up to this point as far as COVID protocols and things of that nature, you know, all the things that they've done has been very smart and very detailed, very calculated. And I thank um, them for doing that. Um, They definitely provided us a good – experience from a fan base perspective um, in the bubble this past season but rushing the season back is is is, is rough man i think that um you know it's going to be a whole different shake-up in the league i mean we're talking 72 games still um they're trying to lead up into the olympics again you know trying to be done before that's over and then you're going to have your best players playing even more basketball in, in the olympics if that happens i don't think it's going to happen i still a very, I'm very, very skeptical about the Olympics happening next year because this pandemic isn't going away. It's not under control at all. I mean, you know, the U.S. is probably in the worst uh, state, you know, um, than a lot of other countries. But regardless, I mean, if it's not holistically, you know, tapered down or a vaccine is not holistically working at this particular point in time, I don't think it's going to happen. You just, it's, just, it's just too much risk. I mean, so many moving parts to I me, mean, people, you know, I and mean, what, what are you going to do? Have Olympics with no fans? That's 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 wild in its own right. You know, I mean, that's this a four, every, once every four to five year experience. You know, most people, you know, relish the fact of they going to the and It's a once in a lifetime experience. And some people never get to go. And if you go, you maybe go one time, you know. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't want to digress too far, too far into that. But I think that uh, the NBA, you know, definitely rushed this. Um, you know, I get everything's different, you know, and, and this is the time that basketball should be happening along with football. But Eh, I am I think it's a rough it's a rough move. And I think the NBA execs, you know, certain unnamed NBA execs feel the same way. You know, I think this is a rest statement, you know, and it was really about money. You know, Adam Silver said himself that they would be losing millions upon millions of dollars if they didn't start, you know, before the uh new year. So, you know, when you get behind, you know, money over a livelihood and people's, you know, um well being, it's always an issue, man. Always an issue. So I wish that, you know, NBA the best in this particular restart. I think that, um, you know, hopefully the players can stay healthy. You know, hopefully we can keep the uh, spread of this down. You know, I'm you know, I'm still interested to see how they're going to do uh, games. I mean, are they, we going back to their own arenas? I mean, we're having centralized locations. I mean, I'm curious to hear about all of that. They haven't revealed all of that yet. Um, but, you know, hopefully they have a good plan in place. You know, I mean, they, their first plan was good. Hopefully this this next secondary plan is even better. Um, but we'll see, man. I'm a little concerned about how they're gonna do things, especially, you know, if they're gonna go back to their own arenas that people moving in and out of places and not being in a centralized location where they can't can be involved and in contact with other people and can, you know, potentially contract the virus. So but yeah, I mean, so we're talking this week. You know, it's 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 a hot week for the NBA. Uh, free agency is uh, starting on the twentieth. Uh the draft is on the eighteenth. Of November, so we're gonna uh you know not, people are not really talking about a draft because it's very um, light talent wise that p- most people consider um you know from previous drafts. So it's one of those things you're probably getting a building piece, you know somebody that you can try to develop um, outside of maybe the first you know two or three picks in the draft. So we'll see how that thing, how it shakes out. Um, you know we'll recap you know what you know what the Lakers and other teams did as far as the draft concerned. But um actually, honestly, the Lakers will not be in the first round. I'll talk about that in a second about what the trades they're making, but yeah, so we'll see when uh, who who went where and how they're going to affect their teams um, next week. But um, yeah, you uh, know, we'll that free agency. I'm sure will be hot and heavy because it's already ramping up. And we'll talk about the trades and rumors and things that have gone down in the past week. Um, first and foremost, I mean, there were there were trades. i uh, uh, talking about uh, the Houston Rockets. Man, It's talking about blowing up this whole team. Quite frankly, I mean, I'm um, is Stephen Silas? And you know, you know, where's his mindset at? He's you know, I'm sure he's not the only one. The front office has a lot to do with it, but. You know they're talking about moving James Harden and Russell Westbrook Russell Westbrook said on his own that he wanted out you know and uh get this you know the Clippers came up as being one of the landing points for Russell Westbrook and I'm like okay yeah that's gonna work <laughs> you know I mean I don't know bro I mean you know Russell uh, Russell has is only thrives in my opinion he's a great basketball player take nothing away from him you know when he was you know uh quote unquote solo act he was a walking triple double You know, a very high-effort, high-energy, high-hyper-athletic guy. I give him all the credit in the world for being that. But that type of, you know, play wanes as you get older. And he's in his early 30s now. Um, So, and he's not being able to hit it because it's outside jumper, which the league is, is really predicated on this at this point. And, you know, outside of being a good slasher and getting to the lane, you know, what, I mean, what is he really bring to a team that's trying to win a championship? You know, and if that's his motive and that's his mantra, he's trying to win a title. You know, I don't know, man. I, I just don't see it. You know, and, I, and the same thing with James Harden. You know, I'm not sure if James Harden wanted out, you know, or he, uh, they just trying to move him and try to rebuild. But, you know, they're talking about the 76ers were trying to get him at one point, you know, early on. It was talks about, you know, him moving it well with their Doc Rivers. And now the hot and heavy topic is moving to the Nets. You know, they talk about getting them, you know, block was a blockbuster trade or, you know, trade Karis Lennon and a couple other young guys to Houston for Harden. Now, you know, I I, I almost laugh at this, you know, it's serious business, I mean, this guy's livelihoods and they and they, and they work hard at their craft. I do not take nothing away from them. But regardless of that, how many different ways can something not work before you decide that it's just not worth the time? You know, cause you tried the whole West Russell Westbrook book and, and James Harden reunion, that didn't work, right? Now you're trying to send Russell to, you know, the Clippers where you got some very uh, I guess you'd say strong personalities in that locker room already. And to me, you think Russell's gonna fit there or better contribute enough for them to be able to get over the hump? I don't think so. I really don't. I, really don't, I don't I don't I don't like I said, I think Russell only thrives in this in a in a situation where he's a, he's a he's the dominant guy and he can maybe have a one B type of guy, you know, on his team, but he gotta be the man. In order for him to thrive, he got to have the ball in his hands. He got to facilitate and and score when he feels like it. And that's really, that's how he won MVP. That's how he won, you know, got all those triple doubles and, you know, all those accolades and this, you know, um, prime years in OKC. So what is he going to do as far as being, a, I guess you can say, a, a, a complimentary act in the, in the system? I don't think it's going to work out. Same thing with James Harden. You mean to tell me that you know you think KD and Harden and and, and Kyrie want to work together? Ah, I don't think so either. <laughs> That's not. It's not enough. Football, it's not good basketball to go around. Football. It's not enough basketball to go around for them to, you know, throw them three. You know, I mean, let's be real. I mean, yeah, KD can play off the ball, but Kyrie and James Harden more and James Harden more so than Kyrie got got to have the ball in their hand. It's I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. I think you're just reaching for straws. You're trying. You're grasping straws trying to compete with teams that already established and I, it's just not a bad it's just a bad move. It's just a bad move. If they do it, I'm going to just be shaking my head. <laughs> like I just shake my head. Like it's just eh, I don't know, man. I, I don't I don't get the idea. I don't get the idea of the sentiment behind it. Just, it. It didn't work in the past. You had yeah, I mean yes they were younger. I get it. You know, Westbrook Harden and and you know, and KD, I get it. You know, they're a little bit older now, which means older means more setting your weights. You know, you like things the way you like it. You know, you like your steak and certain way. You don't like, uh, you know, to have to change up and eat a whole different set of vegan meals. You know, I mean, you're just not the first and you are. You just like what you like at this point, bro. It doesn't, is it? It's what it is. I mean, just be real about it. Let's be real. So, I, I can't see none of this working you know, in, the, in this regard, but I don't, I guess they can't stay together either. I mean, clearly Russell wants out, so if he's unhappy you know, and if they get back to playing together, who knows what Russell's gonna even be like, you know. If, you know, I don't know, I don't know, but we'll see. I It, it really has a really uh, big feel that something's going to happen in Houston as far as one of them moving, maybe both, you know, which makes, you know, the Houston team a complete rebuild at this point. But we'll see, man. We'll see. So, yeah, so with trades that did happen, though. Now, this is some interesting stuff. Um There was rumors that uh, DeMar DeRozan was going to get traded to the Lakers for Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green. Um I I think I spoke about this before. I really didn't like that trade. Um you know De, DeRozan's a great player, but he's a very his game is 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 I guess you can say um getting stale, getting old. Old is more so the word is because he's not a good outside shooter at all. He's very deadly for mid-range. Athletic, you know, um but I think with the pieces we have already, I think we need a person that can hit the three from a, from a good clip on the outside, as well as being all those things that DeMar Rosen is. Um, so we decided to go a different route and got Dennis Schroeder from OKC in the trade. We traded a first-round pick this year for, um, and Danny Green to OKC for Dennis Schroeder in principle. So, I mean, the paperwork isn't done yet, but it's agreed upon in principle. So uh, Dennis Schroeder will be on the Lakers. Uh, I like this move more so than I'd like the, um, the DeMar DeRozan move because I think that Schroeder can hit a, a consistent outside jumper. He's a good point guard. Um, I think he did himself great service being, uh, I guess you can say, mentored by Chris Paul this past year. Um, Chris Paul's a great leader, man. I give Chris Paul all the credit in the world. Nobody, you know, really, you know, gives him credit. And I honestly, truly, wish that he had become a Laker at some point or, or even now. You know, I really wanted him on the Lakers when they tried to make a trade for him while like Kobe was here. And a few other times they try to make it work, and it just didn't work out. But Chris Paul's a great leader, man. I mean, he's not—he's not the player, of the players. He's not the president of the Players association for nothing either. He's a great leader, you know. He's fiery. He'll get in your face. He's—he's he's what people need, you know. He's not—you know—he's not you K—he's know, not K, he the talent of KD, but he plays hard, you know, hard like anybody else in the league does. Like he—if you have—if you have—if you have effort levels, you know, as far as you know how hard he works day in and day out, he's right up there. He's right up there, and like I said, his mentorship, his talent, you know, his ability to galvanize the troops and be a leader is is second to none. It's second to none, and I think that Dennis Schroeder grew a lot under him. And I really was impressed by how well they did. I mean, because they really thought LKC was, you know, a wasteland, you know, when they traded away Russell Westbrook and sent CP3 there and all that good stuff. But CP3 wasn't having it. He galvanized them boys and got them in the playoffs, and they were one game away from being in the second round, you know, and Houston being home. So I think Schroeder took a lot of leaps and bounds. Uh, so he, he's going to come over to the Lakers, uh, and, and play, uh, you know, some reserve point guard roles. I think, um, he was talking of being a six man at one point. So he definitely should be a good addition with every Bradley coming back and, uh, you know, good, you know, good three point shooter. I think, you know, he doesn't have, I want not say he has a basketball IQ Rondo and a playmaking ability Rondo does, but you know, he does, you know, give us uh, that outside threat that we need. So I think it was a really good trade. Uh, also the similar news, they traded, uh, they're going to trade, uh, CP three away as well. Um, OKC is really rebuilding man i just like every time they get you know some decent pieces they can kind of build around and kind of move them away I mean they got tons of draft picks you know and they got um, ton, tons of young guys they're trying to bring in you know I think <clears throat> I've always said that you have to have a, a balance of old guys or veteran guys you know established guys and, and rookies or young guys and that blend will work better but they're going all young so we'll see how that works for them but I think that uh, yeah I'm just curious about what he's doing from a talent perspective but they traded CB3 away um, and there's somewhat of a blockbuster trade and they're going to send him over there with Devin Booker and in, in the Suns so I think it's great for the Suns honestly and truly I just spoke about how well uh, CB3 does for your locker room how much you know how how good he does for people in your locker room how well he mentors and galvanizes the troops so that's great for the Suns they're going to take the steps in my opinion mark what I say down they're going to, Phoenix Suns are going to take steps in the right direction. They're going to be a playoff team as soon as they stay healthy. With CP3's leadership and Devin and those boys playing in that system, they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to make some noise. They're going to shock people um, with their talent. So watch out for the Suns, I'm telling you. With CP3 being over there, the West just got better. I'm telling you. So, yeah, <clears throat> so that's pretty much it, I mean, you know, for the NBA. I think that... uh you know, that quick turnaround, like I said, the NBA execs in certain regards still share some, you know, issues with the quick restart and the quick turnaround. But we'll see how it goes. I mean, we'll wait for the schedule. We'll wait for the timeline and how they're going to do things as far as games are, call, are concerned. But I mean, with a lot of moving parts, you got all the teams involved. It's not just a few amount, small amount of teams that's trying to vie for the playoffs. It's, it's tough, man. It's tough. I don't know how they're going to do it. And for a 72 game season, it's going to be rough. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes, man. You know, we'll see what, it, what they do. But. I'm a little concerned about how NBA is going to do things. So let's talk about the NFL. The NFL got, uh, got a lot going on. A lot going on, man. I mean, <laughs> this this last past week was definitely an interesting week. Um, a lot of games, you know, were you know closer than I'd like to believe they were going to be. You know, I think that uh, you know some things were uh, you know, I guess some secrets were were brought out about how uh, certain teams look. And how they should be looking, and how they really looking. You know, case in point, the Ravens. We'll talk about them in a minute. But uh, Ravens, they look they look rough, man. They look rough in in Foxborough, man. It was it was bad. It was bad. All, all I can really say. Um, but first and foremost, let's talk about Drew Brees. Um, Drew Brees uh, went out with an injury this past week, and uh, he rough, man. It's rough. I think that uh, you know, that's going to change a lot of things for the Saints, man. I really think it does. You know, I think that um, the Saints uh, are looking down the barrel of being, they were looking down the barrel of being the number one seed. I think that uh, with Drew Brees being out in an undetermined amount of time, and those, his rib injury, let's just be, just be clear, It says a, it's a collapsed lung with a issue with ribs. And, and this is what kind of gets tricky for me with the NFL, right? They don't, they, they, they give you just enough information to get you out their face. They don't tell you exactly what it is. I think it's pretty bad because Drew pulled himself out the game. Like, he was saying that he couldn't go at all. Like, I think he's really banged up, you know, and having a collapsed lung is nothing to shake your stick at, you know. I mean, and the way he got hit, you would like to believe that the ribs probably impacted and it, it hurt his lung. So, yeah, that, that injury, that injury will not only take a while to heal, but it make you gunshot. Because even after you heal, quote unquote, you know, it takes a while, you know, for you to be able to honestly honest truly be confident in yourself, taking those hits and not re and not getting reinjured. You know, it's almost like an ACL. You know, it's not till you can cut on it and, and 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 really, you know, take contact on it and you know, hopefully not, you know, get your leg twisted up again where you would um really feel confident in the fact that it won't give out on you. So same thing with ribs, you know, you have uh that issue and you know on top of the, it being issues breathing you know you know you have that it, that situation where you like once I put these rear pads on the shoulder pads on and I it's condensed again and I take that hit how is it going to feel you know it's definitely it's definitely you know uh, a dicey situation so how long is going to be out we had we in week 11 so we had what six games to go you know so if they i, I mean James Winston is a is a, is a He's a competent quarterback. Let's not get that twisted. He's <clears throat> a competent quarterback. So that's not the issue. It's just whether or not they can hold that lead in this in the South, is the question. So what can they honestly and truly, you know, get done with James Winston as a quarterback? Now, let's look back at Teddy Bridgewater situation. He was great. I think he went undefeated as a starter. So they you know, they helped serve, you know. So can stop Payton in that system do the same thing with James Winston? You know, strong arm guy, you know, I mean, he's not as mobile as Teddy Bridgewater is. But, you know, you know, I mean, no, neither is Drew Brees. And they got a great offensive line. So, you know, as long as he's, he has his weapons and things of that nature and that even still plays well, I think they'll be all right. You know, looking at this schedule, I think they'll be all right. I mean, they got the they got the good thing is they got the Bucks games out of the way. <laughs> you know, they got to play the Falcons, you know, in two out of the three games coming up. And at least I, I would like to believe Drew's going to be out at least that long. So if they can go three, and zero in that regard, they'll be fine. they'll hold on to number one seed but if they don't they start to lose a few games here and there it'll it'll weigh on the confidence and drew trying to work itself back he might try to force itself back early trying to keep their uh hopes alive as far as getting to the postseason going far so it's a dicey situation it's a dicey situation so we'll see how it shakes out i hope drew comes back and wishing the best in his recovery but um it's definitely a a big hit um for the landscape because i just knew the things were going to just run away with after blitzing the, the Bucks the two weeks ago, I just knew they was gonna run away with the with the NFC uh number one seed, but it's 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 up in the air now. It's up in the air now. So yeah. So we'll we'll see how that shakes out. We'll keep on reporting on it as far as is you know, updates are concerned. But let's talk about Tampa Bay. They're, they're our nemesis in the South. Uh I wanted to talk about the fact that uh they look horrible against the Saints, obviously. And and everybody wanted to ask the question why. Now, and of course the new addition in their teams A.B., You know Antonio Brown, and I—I wondered. Not necessarily his issue with him being a a issue in the locker room. It's not necessarily that. It's an issue about having too much talent. Like, is it a bad thing? You know, um, because I even caught a caught a question about them adding Le'Veon Bell in in Kansas City. You know, is it is having too much talent and having to spread the ball around and keep everybody happy an issue? You know, and to me, at least for one week, it seemed that way. Um, you know, and i uh, granted, you know, the Bucks had the odd, uh, the, uh, the you know, good fortune, I'm gonna call it the good fortune of having to play the Panthers when defense isn't that great, you know. So they were able to spread the ball around. Everybody ate Gronk, ate AB, ate, you know, uh, Evans, ate, you know, Scotty Middle, ate. Everybody ate, even Ronald Jones had a long, like almost 100 yard touchdown. So everybody ate. You ate against good, bad teams, but when you face those, face those good teams, it's gonna be the question. So we're still asking the question of whether or not them having too much talent is an issue. And and it might be. And I hope that it doesn't cost them down the line, you know, as far as trying to spread the ball around. I mean, not Drew Brees, but Tom Brady just needs to go back and just, you know, because I guess he never had this situation of all this talent around him in his whole career. But, you know, just make the right reads, make the right plays, throw who's open. And if it just happened to be the same person all the time, so be it. Win games. That's really the Charlotte would down to. You know, but you get into people that, you know, only give you effort if they're producing. That's an issue. And I think AB is that guy. Like, I think he really gives you, you know, uh, you know, pro bowl level effort when he's getting the ball. You know, and if, and if, if Tom knows that, you know, is he going to force feed him to keep him happy so he won't cause problems? So they can get what they want to get uh, and which will piss off Evans and Godwin and, and Bronk and the rest of them. You know, what's, what's going to happen? I think that's an issue. You know so it's just a, causing the question of how how would they be able to keep it under wraps and keep it tame long enough for them to be able to win and and win enough to get to the super bowl but i don't know man i i, I have my doubts i have my doubts about it because you just have too much going on you know i think and you know, i get i get that i mean you only have really one big injury i get that you know evans and godwin been banged up yes but you only have you know it's not season in the injuries. The only person you really lost in this whole gamut is uh is uh, OJ Howard for the year, you know, and he had he had Brait in the, in the back in the background waiting, so you really didn't lose anything. So I don't think they needed to change anything, bring L. A. B. in, but I think Tom advocated for it. I just hope that's not their demise, you know, but it could be, it could be. So you know, remember I said that if they get into the issue and you start hearing rumors about infighting and things of that nature because people are pissed off about their touches. You know that could be the ultimate demise, and now we hate to see a good, te- talented team like this be destroyed by the fact that everybody's you got, you got too many divas and too much talent, and everybody's not happy. And you rather worry about your personal uh, goals and ultimate goal. They could win the Super Bowl. They really could. You know, imagine a uh, you know a Saints versus Bucks title game, and let the best man win, and then uh, Mahomes or or Roethlisberger versus Brady or Breeze, you know, matchup, epic. Epic Super Bowl. Epic Super Bowl. So, let's just not ruin it by having these this drama in the locker room box. Let's try not to ruin it. So, we'll see. We'll talk about it. So, yeah. In, uh, in the news of young up-and-coming quarterbacks, uh, Tunga, Tua Tungvaluwa. I won't get his name wrong. Tua Tungvaluwa versus Justin Herbert this week. Uh, you know, I mean, the quarterback master was really the only thing that was really, you know, really intrigued me about this game because I the Chargers are really checked out. You know, and... <laughs> I'll talk about more of this about and charge Corner. I'll talk more about this then. But, you know, the team itself is not, you know, we're on the downtick in the in the Dolphins on the uptick. I mean, we're talking about the Dolphins in the playoff team at this point. You know, and the matchup to me, with the quarterback matchup, who was gonna outdo who was only the question. You know, because they you know they they're always gonna be forever linked with each other because they could be they got drafted right behind one another. So, you know, their first matchup was the very first year. They're both starting their very first year, the year they got drafted, and they get to play each other. It was just, I mean, this match made in heaven. So, I mean, of course, the, the Chargers got down early. The, you know, they got a block punt, um, you know, woes on special teams. So, they got an easy score off that, and then they went down and scored again uh, after go- after the Chargers went three and out, and they're down 14 already, you know. They got a uh, break uh, and got a turnover because the the Dolphins grew go up seventeen to twenty one nothing. Um, they they drove the field on them again, so two was looking do- looking good, you know. But they happened to get a turnover and get uh a, a, I guess a return way back into the uh, Dolphins territory that allowed for us to score. So then they started going back and forth and they started they both started to duel, but I I think that um you know two honestly got the better of this matchup. I mean, I'll say it, you know, I mean, they won of course, but. You know, he he commanded his offense better for the whole entire game versus Justin Herbert, you know, because Justin Herbert, you know, has, had struggles early, in my opinion. You know, he, he struggled early. The offense wasn't getting going early, and that's usually not the case. Like, we're typically, we're typically, it's the team with, under him, you know, being the quarterback, starts early, and then we fizzle late. You know, um, which was, you know, kind of backwards this week. We kind of, we started, we started slow early, got down 14, luckily we got blessed with a turnover and got a score and got us back into the game. But, you know, overall, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you, that 14 point lead ultimately being, being the difference, you know, especially with that blocked punt, because you don't have that blocked punt. There's a double totally different ballgame. And they actually, you know, we're right in it. You know, we're right in it. You know, we lo- we lose the game by eight, you know, but, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if you don't have that score, you could have went for two in one, in one of those scores and be at least being tied, you know, but the, the, the Dolphins were consistent. I gave them credit. I mean, 14 in the, in, in the first quarter, they scored three in the second and third and nine in the fourth. You know, we scored sevens outside of the first quarter, but, you know, like I said, we just got going too late. You know, Justin Herbert threw a pick, you know, uh, you know, early on in the game, you know, two stay clean. So, like I said, I think two outdo him. You know, he had, you know, Justin had slightly better yards on the in the air, but I think you know overall, I think two outdo him because he stayed clean, no picks. You know, and they won the game, so I, I definitely give him credit. I definitely give him credit. So that matchup could be a matchup we're going to see. You know, could be a budding rivalry. You know, it's could be like a Lamar Jackson versus Mahomes type of deal. Although Mahomes owns that scenario right now. You know, but you know the Chargers can you know be be better overall. If they can be better overall, I think we'll be, I think they will be, you know, they'll give the Dolphins a better matchup next time. I think they're gonna be a better matchup next time. So we'll see how that works out. But um, but yeah, I think that was a pretty good matchup. I mean, like I said, we just got started too late. And I think that uh, that was ultimately the demise. So yeah, it was a good matchup though. Definitely a good matchup. So uh, we'll talk about COVID next. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, boy, we're up to 19, officially 19, maybe 20 teams that are affected by this. Um. Uh, the Browns had a scare. They almost didn't play their game this week because they had to shut down the offices. Uh, ben Robertsburger got diagnosed early in the week. Um, he didn't practice all week. Uh, although he got a negative diagnosis, so they put him on the field anyway. I mean, and he did. It didn't look like he missed a step. Boy, I tell you, because he definitely carved up the. <laughs> he definitely carved them up this week. But you know, um, yeah. So the Dolphins had a case or two. Some guys on defense were, were out. You know, they were going COVID protocol. Um, so overall, you know, I think the Falcons, the Chiefs, the Cardinals, the Panthers, the 49ers, the Pats, the Colts, the Titans, the Jets, the Broncos, Raiders, Bills, Texans, Chargers, Packers, Lions, Steelers, Browns and Dolphins. That that that, that on the list. That that's that's 19 number 20 teams that have had covid issues in and out of their organization. So, oh man, it's rough. We're we going into week 11, man. Let's just pray we make it. Let's just pray we make it. Oh man, it was rough, man. It's rough. I tell you that's a COVID 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 but yeah overall man I, I said, the NFL has been you know pretty topsy-turvy um, you know that'll that'll lead into our new segment called What's Wrong? Uh, we're gonna talk about the Patriots first and foremost and we will talk about the Ravens the Titans and the Seahawks because these teams started out well in, uh, in its own right you know when they started the season you know so I think that uh Things get I don't know it is one of the things that the, do the things get figured out about them or they get exposed injuries what is it you know so I wonder you know overall what's the issue you know when it comes down to those teams so I so I wonder you know what 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 makes the um, teams you know filter like this you know start over the pages and I think the biggest issue I want to talk about is cam Newton you know, Cam just doesn't seem right to me. You know, I, you know, he, I really can't, I understand that he had a pretty decent performance in the Ravens, and it was raining, so, and the, the litmus test on that is not really good, I mean, it's not really a good barometer to use when it comes down to how you weigh his performances, right? You know, and he looked pretty well, he looked pretty good in the be- beginning of the season, then he got COVID, you know, had to sit out a week or two, and then he came back, and he hasn't looked right since then. It's like, it's almost like you know his his strength, you know, left him in certain regards. Like I don't think he's throwing the ball the same. I don't think he's running the ball and making decisions the same. I I think it's you know it's like it's a whole different person, you know. And I didn't I haven't seen this type of indecision in him since he's been in the league. You know, I get it that he you know has issues with the weapons he has and you know things of that nature. And he starts to really trust Jacoby Myers, you know, in every you know in that regard. But I think that. Overall his his play is just is weird to me. Like I said, I've watched this guy since he's been in the league, even in college. Like the Cam Newton I've seen, you know, over his career, there's not a Cam Newton I'm used to. So I'm call in the question of, you know, what has the injuries really weighed on him enough, you know, to the point where he can't do those things anymore? You know, or he's just still recovering and they're not saying. And that's what I get to the idea of, you know, hiding injuries and trying to hide, you know, his, you know, overall health because you Know we really don't know, but you can look at him and tell that he's not right. Like, you look at him, pre injury in Carolina, and look at him now. That was only two years difference. The way he throws the ball is different, the zip on the ball he has is different. You know, the you know, his mechanics, his running ability, you know, his escape ability it's all different now. It's all different, you know, and I just don't know what it is. I mean, is he? You know, is he getting older, and those injuries are weighing on him? You know, is this is this what Andrew Luck would have looked like had he continued to play because he was banged up? You know, would he look like a shuttle to himself, and he didn't want to look like that, so he just refused to play anymore? You know, now granted, he probably made more money in, in his quarterback play and his consistency in Indy than Cam had. You know, he had more success, but, I mean, it goes back and forth. I mean, Cam didn't make a Super Bowl, so we can't really say that, but, you know, is it one of those things where he just banged up and he's just taking too much punishment and it started to weigh on him, you know? So it was bad the question, how long, much longer can he play? If that's the case, you know, and I think that's the issue, you know, with them not having weapons on top of the fact that he's not right in my opinion, how far would the pictures go? I mean, they they're kind of trying to make themselves relevant again, trying to maybe be in a playoff team, but I'm not sure, you know, when they're playing tougher teams and them having to play those division opponents still, you know, coming up here lately, will they even be, will they even be there? But just overall, his play is bothering me, man. I just don't think he's right. And I hope that, you know, it's an issue where he can just get healthier and maybe next year he'll be even better. But he just don't look right to me. He just don't look right to me, man. So that moving me on to the Ravens. The Ravens are, are have issues too. They got issues too. Huh? You know, the biggest problem that they have is that they've gotten exposed to the fact that they can't play from behind. That's That's problematic issue number one. That's problem number one. So they can't play from behind. You know, now they've had a couple of injuries. You know, on in in the interior in these past couple of weeks, and they've had issues with the running game. Like they, they, the the pages ran all over them this week, ran all over them. And nobody does that. They like they want the best defense in the league. Nobody does that. Nobody does it against them. And they did what they what they want to do in the running game. I mean, it was raining, and that's the type of game it was going to be. It's going to be a running style game, and that's what they did. Ran the ball heavy, early, and often. And it, and it and, it, and it's, they suffered for it. It was an ugly game. It was the other game. Lamar looked terrible. And that's another issue too I have. Like Lamar has taken a step back from me, you know, from in his passing, you know, and they always say that Lamar's never been a runner for his quarterback. He's always been a drop back quarterback. And if he has to run, he will. But the play calling that they, they're doing for him, the lack of production he's getting from the office of quote unquote weapons he has is bad. They lost Nick Boyle this week. It's a terrible leg injury. So that's one less weapon he has. Who knows what Hollywood Brown is? They haven't seen him. You know, Willie Snead is not great. He's decent, not great. I mean, and that's just least Mark Andrews, in my opinion. You know, they got a decent running back core, but again, you're not running the ball if you're down 14 points. You know, so you have to, Lamar has to figure it out. You have, between the play calling and his decision-making, and and I said it before and I said it again, they made a mistake by not going out and getting the receiver prior to the trade deadline. They made a mistake. They should have got him a receiver. Even, you know, even bringing, even putting Dez Brown on the field as being a big target, somebody he can rely on to catch the ball in the middle of the field and won't drop it. You know, because that's that's an issue too. With the receivers they do have, they drop the ball. You know, I agree it was raining, but that's not the only time they've been dropping passes. You know, so you got find him somebody that can catch the ball consistently. I understand Dez can't, you know, get open at a clip like a Keenan Allen or Devontae Adams, but he can still in zone. He can still set up in zone and catch the ball and run that ball down the field. He can still do it. Big target. Six three, six foot three. Do something. I mean, come on. If y'all especially if y'all put Nick Ball in the IR, you need to elevate Dez Bryant to that roster and keep him in there playing. Got gotcha. to. Uh, but that's the issue. That's the issue for me, man. So the Pages, I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs, in my opinion. You know, and I you know, I think this predicate on the fact they don't have weapons, the campus is not right. I hate to say it, it hurts my heart to say that. And the Ravens, I think they're gonna be of a, a low wild card team at this point. You know, because they lost games they shouldn't have in a certain regards. And that issue of if you can score on them early and have them play from behind, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue. And I really think the Steelers, they got to play Steelers again on Thanksgiving. And that's going to be ugly for them, I think. um, So, yeah, man. I think the Ravens got issues, man. The Ravens got issues, man. So, I think the Ravens will make the playoffs. But it's going to be a low seed and they're going to have to play on the road the entire time of they be in the playoffs. So that leads me to the Titans. The Titans, the Titans. Uh, I scratch my head because you would think on paper that they are they have no holes. They got a, a capable quarterback. You got a great running back. Good offensive line. Good two good receivers. Good tight end. No issues. Defense. Great front seven. Great front seven. You got Pro Bowls on your front on your front seven. You got the Clowney out there. You know you got you had Simmons. You know, I mean, you got great linebackers Landry. You know, they even brought Vic Beasley over. You know, uh, you know, I think they let him go, but you know, but he had him. You know, Harold, like Harold Landry. You know, you got uh, Jion Brown in the middle. You know, I mean, linebackers galore. Front seven is great. You know, backing is is good too. You got you got Malcolm Butler. You got Logan Ryan. You even got Desmond King now. You got Vaccaro and Bayard. I mean. On paper, again, on paper, you look good. You look good, but they're not playing like it. They're not playing like it. at least in the last three weeks. You know, and what's the issue with them? What is the issue with them? I think that you know they're not playing to their potential overall. Like if they were playing to their potential, you know, and that is that is that is that having to do with coaching, you know, in large, or is that is that what it is? You know, because they should be one of the best teams. You know, top about them talent wise in the league. I mean, it should be, to me, second. You know, second or third best. You know, between the Chiefs, the, the the Steelers, and and them, but they're not playing like it. And they let they let the Colts destroy them on Thursday night. Nobody saw that coming. I just knew that the Colts were going to lose that game. I just knew it. And the Titans let them bully them. Like I haven't seen a, such a talented team get pushed around like bad in a long time. So. The defense is underwhelming. That's problem. What problem I want I have. The defense is underwhelming. That's one problem I have. And the fact that the offense is is up and down, and you kind of expect that. The one consistent thing you should always have on your, on your team is a solid defense if you want to be a, t- a championship team. Now, your your offense may give you 20 points one week. They may give you 40 next week. They might give you 15 a, a week after that. It's just the ebb and flows of how people are playing them. I get it. But, Talent-wise, like I said, you should be moving the ball offensively and you should be shutting people down on defense and you're not doing it. And I think it's the overall totality of a sense that nope, they're just not playing up to their potential. And they gotta fix that issue because they don't have a real big a lot of injuries and hopefully they won't. But they gotta fix that in order for them to compete against the Chiefs or the, or the Steelers. That's just it. So that's the Titans problem. And lastly, that moves me on to the Seahawks. The Seahawks <laughs> and they are... It's like a job with the Seahawks, right? You know, you have a bunch of people on your team, you know, and everybody has their own job and their own lane and everything's working swell, right? But when those people start leaving and and you start losing those people that are doing that particular job and everybody's working well together as a team, you know, instead of replacing those pieces with comparable players or comparable workers, you put the work or, or the onus on the people that are still there. So you just pile on to the people that are still there. And that in person is Russell Wilson, you know, because the defense has been tragic, <laughs> you know, even with getting Carlos Dunlap and getting Jamal Adams, their defense has been tragic this year. It's been tragic. And you've been putting the onus on Russell Wilson, Russell, I call him Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson to make, make it work. <laughs> you've been putting the effort putting the issue on him putting the onus on him to make it work every week and you can't do that because just like i said about the titans the ebb and flows the offices are up and down like you you're not going to have mvp you know you know miraculous performances out of your quarterback every week nobody does it i don't care who you are you, tom brady Peyton manning you know john joe montana they're going to have that da- they're going to have down weeks i ain't gonna say they're gonna have bad weeks but they're gonna have down weeks and I think Russell's issue right now is because he knows that the defense is gonna give up points. He's forcing the issue. And which causing him to throw more turnovers than he had in the past, I want to say the past couple of weeks, the past three weeks. He's had more turnovers in the past three weeks than he's had all year. Because he's forcing it. He knows that the defense is gonna they're gonna give up points. They they he knows that. And back of my he's like, I know they're gonna score on us. I gotta keep scoring. I gotta keep scoring. So he's putting a whole lot of pressure on himself. So he's forcing the ball down the field. And he's, he's turning the ball over and it's costing them games, you know, and that's the issue, you know, so, and I'm sorry to say that I, you know, and I hate to say it cause I lo- love Russell, man. Russell's my guy, but it's going to hurt him. And there's nothing you can do about it at this point, because what you have is what you have is, you know, trade deadline's gone. You can't make any more moves. Nobody, you know, nobody's coming out of the stands to help you at this point. Davis is just going to be terrible and they're going to give up points. And unless you're a masterful you know, 400 yards, four or five touchdowns every week, you're going to lose games. It just is what it is. So the Seahawks, maybe a low playoff team, maybe out of it at this point. And there's nothing they can do about it. I mean, they put all the eggs in the basket of Ryan Russell to the wheels fall off. And I'm sorry to say that you heard his MVP chances and you heard his ability to make it far into the playoffs because of the simple fact that the Divas can't get stops. And that's, and that's just what it is. He won't be the MVP, and he may not make the playoffs because the fact is your defense is horrible and Russell can't do it all himself, especially with his running backs being out. He had C.J. Dallas running the ball instead of Carson and, and Hyde, and that's problem, that's problem one, too. You know, you got issues on the offensive line you always had, but you're able to run the ball decent and you're able to get the ball down the field. You know, if they can't return to a healthy state, and the defense gives up 30, 40 points a game, then you're going to keep losing. Sorry. Sorry, Seattle. But that's what it is, man. That's what it is. So I think that overall, the pages are not going to make it. The Titans will make it, but be a lower seed. The Ravens make it be a lower seed. They might end up playing each other in the first round, and we know how that's going to go. The Seahawks may not make it at all because the Cardinals looking good, so are the Rams. And the Rams proved it to them this past week that they can beat them. So Seahawks are looking at the outside looking in at this point. So that's going to do it for what's wrong. Um, last segment of the day is going to be team to watch out for and I thought I, I never thought I'd say that this team would be on my list this year but the Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins and Brian Flores got, are playing good ball and Tua and everybody questioned the idea of him putting Tua in versus Fitz, Fitzpatrick and and whether that was a good move but it seems to be because the defense is playing great Tua is managing the game well and they're getting W's and I really feel like I know they can beat the Patriots right now by, by, the, team, by the way they're playing and they could mess around and beat the Bills in the right situation. So we could be talking about a playoff contender, um, maybe a division winner. We'll see. I mean, they're, they're not playing a tough schedule. I mean, they're playing a what, third or fourth play schedule at this point. And, of course, if you know, they got to play the Jets, you know that's an like automatic W. So I, the, the Dolphins could be the team that could make the playoffs sneaking in that 7th seed. So watch out for them. If they don't win the division, they could mess around and beat the 7th seed. So watch out for them boys, man. Watch out for them boys, but that's gonna do it for who's in the news. Uh, stay tuned for for the records, the lockdown defense podcast. So let's talk for the record. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Uh got a couple of good topics here today. I want to talk about um the interesting topics, uh controversial in their own right, but um I think they need to be talked about. And <laughs> you know, it's a lot it's funny to me how things come to light, you know, later on down the line that, you know, things that you believe just to be the gospel, you just took it as word and, and you just kept on moving and never questioned it. You know, how things are you know, totally different than what you thought. You know, in that regards, so I say that to say uh, Isaiah Thomas was on Shannon uh, Sharp's podcast uh, this week, and he dispelled a lot of rumors or, or a lot of misconceptions from me this week about the Pistons in the late nine eight, late nineties, late eighties, and what they were doing in that organization. You know, and I didn't even realize that he was the, you know, he was the uh, in the Players Association as a you know president, vice president, things of that nature. Um, in in his in his time in Detroit I didn't know that um a lot of interesting facts that came out about that interview it was a pretty interesting interview so check it out if you had a chance but um he definitely hit home on a few points that um I think that need to be addressed when it comes to the media uh overall um mainstream media we'll call it um so he said you know and I'm not gonna I don't want to miss his words or misconstrue what he said but in, in his essence he said that you know, the bad boy label that they were given was given to them by the media themselves. And I'm trying to paint a picture of them being difficult or being uh uh negative, you know, in a lot of regards because they didn't like him, you know, because they didn't he didn't beat he didn't march to their drum, you know, in a lot of regards. So he said, you know, flat out that they gave him that label, you know, when in reality he was, you know, he was really a, more about the players and trying to get people's money. You know, back, and you know, he was hearing all these stories about how it's, you know, players were going broke right after the they got out of the league and stuff like that. You know, they made millions of dollars, you know. So he did a lot of good things for the league that nobody really talks about. You know, everybody just say he was part of the bad boy Pistons, him and Jordan don't get along, and he's just a, a, a negative person. You know, and people, a lot of people don't rock with Isaiah because of that, you know. And I think, you know, he was always a good player. You know, I definitely take away from his talent. He was definitely a great point guard, you know. You know, two titles, you know, I mean, the Pistons were definitely a dominant team, you know, um, in that stretch. But, you know, I think that, uh, you know, that calls into question for me, you know, how, you know, what people really, really are like and how they get painted in the media. And there might be two different things, you know. So it's hard for us to judge because we really don't know, you know, and mainstream media in that regard and that's time frame and that space where, the only person you could really rely on as far as giving a, a painting the picture of who these people really are. And I, now, now I'm now understanding why why people in entertainment really hate the media in a lot of stances. because they write things for ratings and make these stories up in certain regards because they can want to sell the story. And it doesn't it's not indicative of who these people are, in large part. Because who would have thought that Isaiah Thomas was a was a catalyst in getting deals changed where uh you're agent would take you know what is it uh 50 percent of your your money and endorsements would you would take a a certain part out whereas you know was happily you know was happily leave you broke you know i mean (laughs) you know that's and i guess that becomes calls into question about you know how i guess athletes were exploited back in the day You know, and he took a stance and it was an unpopular stance. And I think that's why he got labeled as being a bad boy, him and his teammates, because he was trying to make change for the better for the player. And they didn't like it because it was taking money out of their pockets. So, you know, when you buck the status quo, you get labeled in mainstream media as being difficult, being a problem, you know, and you're really not. You're really just trying to be fair and just and get your just due and not be robbed I mean, cause let's be honest, taking fifty percent of anything when you're the person that's driving and you're the do, you're the athlete, you're the marketing person, you're you're everything to this particular ideology, but you're taking fifty percent of my money just because you brokered a deal? Is that fair? You know, which which I now understand why it's down to the five and ten percent that agents get and you know, and endorsement and people um, share with you because you know, that's highway robbery. Now I know now I know why people were going broke because you weren't getting, you know, you know, you know, forty, fifty percent of your money were getting taken away in certain regards. I mean, I, I, I don't want to steal the thunder of the story, so go watch the podcast if you haven't. It's very good. Listen, uh, you know, they even broke it down in segments. They show you that he'll talk about that segment, so You didn't got to watch the whole thing, but listen to that what he said about how he changed the landscape of the deals and how people were getting their money back because they were working hard to earn this money. So why would you? be comfortable with people taking that amount of money, you know, cause some people just be like, all right, it is what it is. That's just the nature of the business. But no, that isn't fair. And he bucked the system and they didn't like it. And of course they labeled him wrong. So that begs the question of the bigger picture about how people in historically in the, in the media were painted certain ways and they were, um, given these labels and were they really that, you know, and I, I, it's a double-edged sword for me when I talk about social media because I definitely like social media from certain regards because it has good and it has bad traits. Because you're allowed more so now to paint an authentic picture of yourself, right? Because you have your own voice in social media and things of that nature and your own platforms now. People can get on their own shows and podcasts and things of that nature and be their own voice. But in previous years, in the 80s and 90s and to the early 2000s, when this stuff wasn't here, you know, whatever the media said, it went. You know, so that called in the question to me about who was really good that they painted a picture of and then let's be real. I'm just I'm just put it as brass tacks. If you were likable to them from a media perspective, you got painted a good picture. If you, you were disliked for whatever reason, if you didn't you know take an interview when they wanted you to, or they didn't, you didn't do something when they when they wanted you to do it, or you bucked the system because you felt like they were being unjust and you didn't like it and you stood up for what was right, you were labeled negatively. So you had to tote the line if you didn't want this bad label. Because let's be real, a bad label would hurt your money. Because if you were painted negatively in the media, you, nobody will want to hang with you endorsement wise. And that's true to this day. If you're paying it negatively to the media, you lose endorsements, you lose money and nobody wants to do business with you. But if you play the game and you do what they say, be a good old boy, then guess what? You get all the endorsements, you get all the love and you get all the accolades because people will like you. Right. Now I'm not saying you should be a, a, a jerk. I'm not saying that, but you shouldn't have to do everything people say, you know, just because you don't want to be paying it negatively. Paint me authentic, Pay me as an authentic person. Pay me in the picture that I am. And pay me the picture I, as a person of who I am. Don't paint me in a negative like just because you feel you don't mess with me because I didn't do what you wanted me to do. That's that's just ridiculous. Like I said, it's different now, you know, but who's to say that, you know, certain people could have been in different situations because the media didn't paint them in a certain way and it would allow them to do things to earn money, you know, um, doing that craft that they you know what they would normally have had happen because they got this negative conversation attached to them, you know. So, you know, who knows, man? Who knows what it would have been? But I think that's a big, big problem, big problem for the media that they just want to drive this narrative about people. And I think they do it overall. They do it to entertainers. They do it to movie uh, actors, actresses, anybody. You know, musicians. They do it to everybody. You know, if you don't, you don't play their game. They paint you negatively and nobody is going to call into the question because that's what the media reports. And everybody just believes what the media tells them. You know, like I said, you have the ability now more so to paint your own picture and paint your narrative of who you are because you have your own platforms. But people that were in the 80s, 90s and 2000s didn't have that; had the issue, you know, didn't have that ability. So you, you know, you got labeled a certain way and just carried with you and you probably lost money because of it. Because if I'm a endorser and they say this guy's difficult, he's you know he's he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that, and they give all these false claims about you, you're just going to go look in another direction, all day, all day, and I think that's very unfair. And I think the media needs to come clean about that, but they never will, you know, you know because it makes them look bad, you know. So it's it's just an overall you know problem we have, and then you know we then you get into the aspect of it being a minority issue, you know they want to uh negatively portray minorities, you know, because that's just the stigma and a stereotype that they have of you and you just automatically, you know, are a certain way because you come from a certain background, which is unfair in its own right as well. So that's another issue. You know, you know that and it goes on and on. It just and it's systemic and it needs to be dismantled, you know, overall. The system needs to be dismantled. It needs to be you know, it is almost to a point where it needs to dismantle the current news structure in its own right, especially sports and news. Um, you know, certain beat writers and, you know, and legacy people that have been writing for years need to go a different route, do different things and let the people talk about the people themselves. Like, let people that are former players and, and former you know former people that have been in the league or, or coaches and things of that nature who have honest opinions about them speak on it. Let them be the news outlets. Let's let's develop a news cycle and a news entity that is all about people that have been in the game and know the game and can all give the honest assessment and they don't want to paint a negative picture about you just because they can sell a story. You know, so that 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 needs to change as well. Because like I said, I never have thought in a million years that I thought Isaiah Thomas was this type of guy. Just because of the, the labels they gave him, you know, and I didn't question it. I mean, I'll be real; I would never question it. They just everybody, everybody sold the same pit. They sold the same wolf ticket. They sold it. They said Isaiah Thomas is a, is 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 a, is, a, is a jerk, and he doesn't like Michael Jordan. He got beef, and you know, he has all these negative things to say. All people there in the media paint this negative picture, but they never gave the honest truth about what he did good. You know, and that who and how many people has that happened to? That's an issue. How many people has it happened to? Because I'm sure it's not just Isaiah Thomas that has happened to. And people have gotten, you know, run out of the leagues in certain regards because of this label they've given given them. And they had no ability to, uh, you know, refute it, you know, because back in the day, you know, they unless all the media outlets worked on the same drum, you know, so if and they could edit these interviews any way they wanted them to. So no matter what, they can they can really edit it to the point where they can make it seem as if you're the person they wanted you to be. And you're not that person, but they have the control. But thankfully, you know, the media outlets and internet is, is a saving grace, and you can paint your own pictures, and you can just, you can speak your own truths. And that's that's a great thing, you know. But certain people didn't have that chance, and it gets it's passed them by, and that's just it. And, you know, it's over, and they missed out on opportunities in life that they could have had. Only because somebody wanted to paint a negative picture of them is really reason why they didn't get those opportunities. That's not unfair. That's not fair at all. So that leads me to another topic about uh, the NFL and them passing this uh, rule in in the league now, where they're going to honor uh, organizations with compensatory draft picks if they hire minority coaches, right? Uh, I. You know, I've even heard people go to the stream and call this a racist act. I've heard people say that. And I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really on offense about that, but I don't like it. I tell you for sure, I don't like it. Because if you don't, now, you know, they, they classify this or compare this to being a, an affirmative action move, right? But I shouldn't have to, quote unquote, pay you. In order for you to hire minority coach, you should be able to do it on your own that should be based upon more qualifications and my in my abilities to do the job it should have things to do with my skin color you know everybody knows that's the right way about it that's the right way to go about it but it isn't done that way and and quite honestly quite frankly i really feel like even when minority coaches get hired they don't give them the same energy and the same tools to succeed as they would if it wasn't a minority coach i've seen it happen year and year and year the only person that's seen thrive in a situation and be a successful minority coach in a large tenure is, is Mike Tomlin. Honestly, I really feel like he's the only person, you know, because the Rudy family is just cut from a different mode. You know, they just do things differently. And I and I applaud them for it and I applaud them for it. And they win and they win they undefeated right now. So, Hey, you know, they win. So all the person I've seen that has really given the honest and true shot is Mike Tomlin, you know, outside of that, you know, I just really feel like they have never gone through the lengths of trying to win and give the effort that they've given to of other coaches they do you know, white coaches. Let's just be real about it. You know, and these and these draft pick things is enough slap in the face to me. Because you you mean to tell me the only reason you'd be motivated to hire a minority coach and the only reason you would do it is to get a draft pick. That's really what it's saying. That's really what it's saying. You only gonna get it, you're only gonna do this because I'm gonna get a draft pick out of it. And I'm really not gonna do anything you know, to, and what level do you got to hire him at? Does it have to be head coach, assistant coach, whatever? Cause everybody got minority assistant coaches, you know, even coordinators, but they don't have a lot of head coaches. So what does that really mean? Do you only going to hire a coach, you know, or it'd be like, you know, a Jerry Jones type move where he's really calling the shots and you're pulling the strings, but he has a coach in places to just say, he's my puppet, you know? So would you hire a minority coach and let him be the head coach, but you really pulling the strings from the back door in in the front office? You know, what's really going on? So I think this particular aspect of ideology is a a slap in the face. And I really don't think that's going to do any good, you know, because let's be real, you know, those, you know, it's not like their first round picks, number one. Number two, you know, is will teams really feel like it's worth the risk to get a few more draft picks just because we got a minority coach? You know, again, it should be based upon my merit and my skill level and my ability to do the job and be able to produce on the field. It should have nothing to do with my skin color. But yet again, when when the same systemic society, you know, and they don't they don't want to change, they don't want to change, you know. And I'd be interested to see what they do with Romeo Cornell and and, and Raheem Morris and even Eric Benjamin, who's a coordinator for the uh, Chiefs right now. Who if he wins another Super Bowl, you can't sit here and tell me he doesn't deserve a head coaching job. He, he deserves one right now. But you have nothing to leg to stand on to say this office has been super dominant. You know, the past three years, and they have won two Super Bowls. And you can't sit and tell me he don't deserve a head coaching job. So, we'll see. But yet again, we'll, you know, if he does get a job, will he get a fair shake? That's the problem I have. It's not only the fact; it's not. It's, I have issues with the fact that you don't hire him, and then when you do hire him, you don't give him a fair shake. You, know, you pull a, you pull a rug from out of him real quick because they're not getting it done right when you want them to. But you got my, you know, white coaches that have gotten, you know. M- numerous passes for and excuses made for them, you know, when they underperform, but you know, one year that you don't perform as soon as you get there and you were already given a bad roster and all of a sudden you're fired. That's that, that's the issue. You don't give me a fair, you don't give me an uh, opportunity. If you do, you, you pull a rock from on of me and don't give me the opportunities I need to succeed. And then you fire me and thinking that I'm not the guy for the job when reality states that, anybody that's the same level as me and he happens to be Caucasian, he gets passes. Systemic society. It needs to be be destroyed and rebuilt. That's just it, man. That's going to be for the record, man. Um, It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. Stay tuned for Charles Corner. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. let's talk Chargers corner ah man <laughs> not a lot good to say right now you know you had to get another one point loss for those malign charges man it's rough out here you know we started out the week with joey Bosa still in concussion protocol not playing again this week so that definitely hurt our defense uh more than it's already uh damaging uh scarred at this point you know Lost Desmond King in a, in a ridiculous trade, obviously. And Chris Harris has been out for a while. Um, and yeah, Michael Davis is not what you would call a starting corner. <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, mean, neither is Rashad Jenkins. But, you know, we got who we got. You know, Ron has still been pretty good. I mean, i definitely say the silver lining and all this. Ron has still been pretty good. What has been a big issue for us in the last three or four years. And I'm honest, it's been an issue for us since we switched to a 4-3. You know this is the first year that we've actually had pretty good run defense and you know the biggest issue you know with the Chargers at this point is discipline you know uh miscues on defense you got interceptions going right through your hands not paying attention could have you know big plays made and you know as I literally watched a a uh, interception go through Kenneth Murray's hands I mean literally I mean an inch closer if he's squeezing that ball he picks it and, and it's a turnover versus a first down you know, a bunch of other DBs, cues. you know, um, on, on, you know, break on balls and things of that nature. Cost us, you know, special team woes. I mean, we had a block punt uh, in the first order, laser score, uh, jumping off sides, you know, on a field goal, it would cost them, cost us a first down and also be another touchdown. You know, I mean, again, it's as, as a broken record at this point, but I, I keep harping on the fact that it is just leadership, man. You know, you have to be able to, as a coach, you have to be able to get uh, sound play out of your players. You know when people aren't doing things that are very basic. You know we talk. We you preach this type of stuff in boys club, and high school, and youth football, and you know all the way up to college. You know you preach these things about discipline and the little things. And as a pro, you shouldn't make these mistakes. And you're, they make mistakes like a high school team. You know a JV team. You know is it, it really just falls upon leadership, man? Because you know it, to me, it's just at this point you just feel. I feel like they checked out you know they checked out on the coach they checked out on themselves checked out on everybody feel like they're not going anywhere they're just going through the motions you know and and it's sad to say because we got we got a (laughs) which which should have been my projection would have been that it'll be a make right game if nothing else going through this you know somewhere tough schedule you know having to play the Jets next week would have been you know uh, I guess you can say a make right game we can kind of turn the corner but I don't even feel good about that game to be honest with you (laughs) the Jets might mess around and get their first win you know, just like we gave gave the Browns their only win that one year, they went one in fifteen. You know, looks <laughs> we might give the Jets their only win. It's it's rough, you know. But you know, going to the matchup itself against the Dolphins, you know, the issue, and I touched on this before, and I talked about the two versus Herbert debate. It's one of those things where. You never know what you're going to get. You know, we've literally started every game fast. Every single game we started fast. In this particular game, we started slow. You know, we got out to uh, uh, early deficit. You know, we were down 14 before we really got going. And then we would have been down 21, 17 to 21 had we not got that lucky turnover. So, <laughs> we and we've never been a good come-from-behind team. We've always had leads and blown them. That's been the issue with us this year. And giving up these one point losses, you know, it was a one point loss again this this week, but it was way worse than it seemed on the scoreboard, you know. Um, yeah, it was the, the middle of the game was probably the best part of the game for us. We, you know, scored had a decent running game, you know, for Balaj running the ball. Just clearly had a few good flashes, but outside of that, you know, Justin Herbert had a decent game. He threw a, a rough pick, you know. I mean. And honestly, true, like I said, two would have had a pick two if 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 Ken and Murray could just squeeze the ball, man. I mean, come on, bro. Like, come on. It's, you threw it right to you. You had your hands almost on it. Like it literally, like it probably left marks on your gloves to the point where you should have caught it. That's how how close it was. But you didn't catch it, and it went through your hands and into the tight end's hands and for a first down. Drive keeps going. Can't have those kind of things. You got to make you got to make those plays when you can. There's not many of them. You don't get that play every play. You may go tackle every play, but you don't get an option, opportunity to get an interception. So you got to make it when you can make them, you know, so eh, it's rough. I mean, it's like I said, just exercise of utility at this point reporting on you know, on this podcast about the charges. But, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, from here forward, we can just kind of look forward what the future might hold. We're going to be picking early in the draft, you know, top 10 probably. I mean, you know, who are we going to get? You know, I think uh, O-line is still an issue. I mean, but I think we need to start with a coach. You know, I think we need to make some serious coaching change. I'm sure Gus Bradley needs to go from a defense perspective. You know, we return everybody from a starting perspective, and add a corner. We need a corner. I think that's our biggest issue. We need a corner. But I would want, I won't want a veteran corner. I wouldn't necessarily want a rookie. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, unless you can find a, a Jalen Ramsey or type, you know, a CJ Henderson type out uh, in the draft, I don't, I don't really necessarily want a rookie. I want a nice veteran for the outside and let Chris Harris put the slot. When he comes back healthy and uh we start over bring dervin back is healthy you know and we we can stay healthy you know when he probably drew Tango will come back next year you know so we we have a solid you know i think we need a good uh backup safety you know because you know i'm not sure what that seer is going to do i mean he's been basic been normal he hasn't been great uh for us i mean i'm not sure if there's a product of us being bad overall but you know, I think a safety can be an issue you can address some. But I think our linebacker, breaking course, is pretty solid. I think We need to go away from Denzel Perryman. I think we need to let him go. But uh, outside of that, you know, I think defense is pretty solid. We need a new coordinator, though. I <laughs> Do we think we need a new coordinator? Because I think unless you had the superstar uh, that he had in Seattle, he just hadn't had great success, in my opinion. And that cover three, single high look, and, you know, people are starting to pick on that and understand what, what beats that. And we just give up play after play after play. You know, and we give up points when we shouldn't. You know, from the talent level perspective, we shouldn't give up the points we we do, but we do, and that's the issue. That's seriously the issue. So we have to look at that. I think Gus needs to go, and I'm questioning Anthony Lynn's you know uh, job as well because you know a lot of problems we have is like I said, just falls on leadership. You have to be able to, you know, talent aside, you got to be able to galvanize the troops, and you have to they have to believe in you, buy in, and understand that they have to play at a certain standard. You have to give them a certain standard to play by and you won't accept nothing less and he's not doing that. You know, it's just, that's the biggest problem. You know, everybody out here freestyling. You know, and it's really showing on the field. You know, O-line Kings healthy and it seems like some o some Line just don't want to play because I mean, I've never seen Trey Turner have a groin injury that lingers so long. You know, in, in and out of the lineup and we're paying these guys big bucks to play and they haven't been in the lineup, you know, for a good portion of the entire game since they started. <laughs> you know, I mean, what can you do with that? But I mean, I would say definitely, you know, <laughs> you know, if we did look at the draft, I would definitely address the O line, the left tackle is in the center position. I think my Mike Palsy is done with us. I think he might be done period in the league. Um need a new center, need a new left tackle. Uh need a need a good corner. Um and I would bring Balage back. Running back. I would definitely bring him back. I like the way he runs. He definitely runs angry. You know, he's a big back, fast, but big. You know, he's about what, six, six plus, I'm gonna say he's like 6'3", and 20, some twenty pounds, 220 pounds, something like that. Big back, big back, and run angry. So, you know, I like the way he runs. You know, Josh Kelly, I have high hopes for him, but he's sputtering every since he started fumbling. He, his confidence is weighing, and he hasn't been the same. You know, I think we need somebody like Belage that will help Eckler because Eckler is not an every-down guy. I'm sorry. He's a receiving back. I mean, I'll just be real about it. He's a receiving back, and he needs to be uh, in the pass game more so and let somebody else run the ball in between the tackles. You know, that'll keep him healthy. That'll keep the other running back healthy because it's a two-man show, and we'll let Josh Kelly fill in in the back end. You know, So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's what it's going to be. I mean, I don't say I don't have high hopes for it's just game, honestly truly. They may get their first one against us, which is sad and tragic, you know. But, you know, at this point, we just can't win games. We just can't find a way to win games. You know, and, this, and what's craziest of all is that Justin Herbert has good games every week. He has good games every week. I mean, it was okay game this week. I mean, him and Tua both threw for less than 200. But, you know, he had two touchdowns, so did Tua. He had that one interception. Tua should have had one, but he didn't because um, it wouldn't it whistled through people's hands, but you know, I, I think that you know overall he's having great. He's having a great season. It's just in losing effort, and I think that's going to hurt um his chances. You know, I, I don't think two is in the running for rookie of the year because he hadn't played all his all the games. Because I mean, outside of one, Justin Harris played every game this year. He has nine games versus two. is what two, three maybe three, three, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's in a run. I think he's really between. Herbert and Burrows and I think that whoever has the better record will probably end up winning the award. Um, I haven't looked at the numbers in comparative process, see who has better numbers, but but you know Burrow has a, a game up on up on uh, Herbert because he's played every game. Herbert only didn't play the first game, so we'll see. Man, I think he has a good shot at it, but you know it just really depends on how he produces down the stretch and whether or not we can win a few games or not. But overall, man, I just we looking towards the draft, man. That's all I can really say, and we're going to um, you know be. You know, mired in uh, controversy as far as what our coaching staff is going to look like in their off season. I'm curious what the Spanos family was going to do, but in and it really matters if they get rid of Lynn. Now they kind of sort of put their confidence in him before this debacle happened. You know, they're, they're going to keep him around next year. But my problem is this: you know, from, you know, he's just not leading them the way he, they need to be led. I mean, he's not. You know, I, I again I give my talent all the praise. He knows how to galvanize his troops and get the best out of his guys. You know, but Anthony Lynn doesn't do that. For them, you know, and they need somebody that's going to do that for them. We need a need a big time voice in the locker room, you know, that's going to speak louder than everybody else, and everybody else gets behind them and we ride. Other outside of that, we we gonna have trouble contending for for a good while, no matter what talent we have. And then, you know, when it comes down to resigning people, we got Ken and Allen coming up next year. You got Durant trying to get paid soon, and if these guys don't see the team growing, you know, in the right direction. Especially if they're not okay with the coach, they're gonna walk. They're not gonna resign with the team. That is and that is their prerogative. You know, we will lose our best receiver and we'll lose our best secondary guy. So we'll see what happens, man. You know, we need to make some changes, though. I think that we need to make some changes from the coaching staff to some personnel and then revamp. You know, we need to change the culture, you know, because the culture is a is a mediocre to um, undisciplined and, um, you know, having trouble finishing things type of culture, and we need to change that. You know, we definitely need to do that, and I think that's our biggest issue. But going forward, man, you know, so we'll keep we'll keep recapping what we think thinking, what's we'll our preview, what we looking like when it comes for the draft, and how we gonna look next year, and what we think that our next moves are gonna be. But this has been Chargers Corner. Stay tuned for four quarter closeouts. The Lockdown Davis Podcast. Fourth quarter closeouts, the Lockland League's podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. I appreciate everybody listening so far, checking out my podcast weekly. Appreciate the support, everybody. We go live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. for the podcast on Spotify and YouTube. Our Google Podcast as well, Anchor. Uh, Check it out on any platform that you get your podcast from. Our weekly recaps go live every Friday at uh, 11 a.m., and our weekly picks go live every Sunday at 11 a.m. So check those out as well. Like, comment, and subscribe as always. Appreciate everybody's support and love. We get into the fourth quarter close. We're gonna do our awards for breakout player of the week, lockdown defender of the week, and big dummy of the week. So let's uh, let's see who uh, showed up this week. Yeah, uh, it was rough uh, trying to pick winners this week, man. Um, it wasn't no clear uh, person that edged out uh, the other. So I'm going to go with two uh, breakout players of the week. Um, it's actually a total of three, to be honest, which in two defenders, uh, Big Ben, Roethlisberger. He came in uh, hot and heavy after not practicing all week. That's why it, it shook me because he had a little QBR than Tom Brady, but he hadn't practiced all week and it came out and showed up and showed out and he definitely uh, aired it out well, you know, on Sunday. Three thirty-three through the air, four touchdowns, no picks, he had a seventy-five point eight QBR, and I think it was only have to do with the fact that he had let more incompletions than Tom, but Tom came through um, with a three hundred forty-one yard passing game. And three touchdowns, no picks, in a ninety-one point two QBR, and that was on top of the fact that Ronald Jones had his best rushing career game of his entire career, twenty-three carries, one hundred ninety-two yards, and a touchdown. So yeah, they're definitely doing their thing, man. Like I said, it was rough to try to pick one, so I went ahead and give everybody the love this week. And so lockdown defender of the week was was a was a tough one too. And I give an honorable mention to AJ Klein. AJ Klein had a really good game too. He I think he had twelve tackles, eleven solos, he had a sack um but that was overshadowed by demario davis's performance because uh the saints actually got to win along with Leonard floyd in the rams so uh demario davis gave a, a nice performance man i mean i mean what can you say we're talking 12 tackles eight solos a sack a tackle for laws a pass deflection and two qb hits yeah i mean he stat he stuffed the statue he kind of like bobby Wagner did a few weeks ago you know then, then Leonard floyd came out of the woodwork with now this i give him a lot of credit for this because his sacks were on a really mobile quarterback. Yeah, he sacked Russell Wilson three times. He, he hit him five. So he had five total tackles, five solos, three sacks, two tackles for loss, and five QB hits on Russell Wilson. That's that's short, that's short of amazing. That's definitely short of amazing. He definitely balled out. You know, I'm sure the Bears wishing you know, we had that when he was in Chicago, but he balled over the Rams right now. So, hey, man, definitely give them their love. And I want to give a special honorable mention to DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had the catch of the year on Sunday. Mossen, three guys on the Bills. Uh, the one thing was uh, Michael High Poirier and Tredavious White. We're talking about Pro Bowl Caliber guys. Moss, all three of them. High pointed that ball that Kyle Murray threw up as a Hail Murray at the very end of the game and won the game for the Cardinals, man. If the Cardinals make the playoffs and go far, that play is going to be the play of the year. Man, bar none hands down. I haven't seen a one, especially for a guy six 6'1. You know, it's not like he was six five like Megatron. He's six one, but he owns the ball. Has the strongest hands I've seen in a good long while. If he gets his hands on the ball, it's coming in and it's being a catch. So I'm gonna give DeAndre Hopkins the honorable mention along with Tom Brady, Ben Robertsberger, Ronald Jones, and uh, Demario Davis and Leonard Floyd for being lo- breakout players of the week and lockdown defenders of the week. Now on the big dummy of the week. Now I went back and forth with this one too. It was, it was rough. I had to, I had to uh, shy away from one particular aspect, because there was some more issues with uh, people insulting Jamel here and Curry champion this week, um, you know, more racist behavior, but uh, I'm going to give it to the NFL and the owners and the the, the board for voting for this you know, minority uh, draft pick rule. You know, it's really a slap in the face to minority coaches, it really is. And and if you were a minority coach, how would you feel that I'm only here because they're getting the draft pick? Like, how would that make you feel? Like, you know, you're just a, a charity case, in a sense. Like, you only I'm only here because you getting compensation. Like, they're giving you incentive to hire me. Yeah, it's not because I'm, it's not, you didn't look at my qualifications, you didn't care about none of that, because if I, if you did, I would've been here before now. But now any minority coach get, they gets hired in any, prominent position is going to be looked at is is he just here because we get incentive or is he really here because he deserves a job that's the question so they that was a big misstep by the nfl now i don't i hate the fact that they made this rule and it really is a slap in the face i mean it takes it it makes the affirmative action look bad it really does you know because the affirmative action only says that you get a fair shake so quote unquote in the jobs selection process this says that you get benefits. Like imagine if corporations were getting, you know, government funding for hiring minorities. You know, I just automatically, if you the more the more minorities you hire, the more money you get. You know, now how you know how many minorities will you hire then? You're only being hired because it's coming to getting kickbacks. You know? So, I mean, come on now. It's it's really, it's really ridiculous. And NFL, a quarter, yes again, taking missteps. You're trying to be positive and be above board with this, you know, quote unquote, trying to make amends with Colin Kaepernick and and having all this, you know, comfortable racial relational talks and um, messages in the end zone and uh, decals on the helmets. But you take one step forward, you, take three steps back. And that's how the NFL is. And it's been that way for a good long while. So NFL and the owners making that rule for minority coaches, you get the big dummy, do we get award? You big dummy. So that's gonna wrap it up, man. We appreciate everybody's time and the support. As always, we'll be back here next Tuesday at ten AM. Always is you know, give me your feedback and um and you need my socials, is in my descriptions of my videos. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Step up and lock it down.